Part two, chapter four of Basil. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Wiebke Müller. Basil by Wilkie Collins. Part two, chapter four. About the time of my introduction to Mr. Mannion, or, to speak more correctly, both before and after that period, certain peculiarities in Margaret's character and conduct, which came to my knowledge by pure accident, gave me a little uneasiness and even a little displeasure. Neither of these feelings lasted very long, it is true, for the incidents which gave rise to them were of a trifling nature in themselves. While I now write, however, these domestic occurrences are all vividly present to my recollection. I will mention two of them as instances. Subsequent events yet to be related will show that they are not out of place at this part of my narrative. One lovely autumn morning I called rather before the appointed time at North Villa. As the servant opened the front garden gate, the idea occurred to me of giving Margaret a surprise by entering the drawing-room unexpectedly with a nosegay gathered for her from her own flower-bed. Telling the servant not to announce me, I went round to the back garden by a gate which opened into it at the side of the house. The progress of my flower-gathering led me on to the lawn under one of the drawing-room windows which was left a little open. The voices of my wife and her mother reached me from the room. It was this part of their conversation which I unintentionally overheard. "'I tell you, Mamma, I must and I will have the dress, whether Papa chooses or not.' This was spoken loudly and resolutely, in such tones as I had never heard from Margaret before pray pray my dear don't talk so answered the weak faltering voice of mrs sherwin you know you've had more than your year's allowance of dresses already i won't be allowanced his sister isn't allowanced why should i be my dear love surely there is some difference i am sure there isn't now i'm his wife i shall ride some day in my carriage just as his sister does he gives me my way in everything and so ought you it isn't me margaret if i could do anything i'm sure i would but i really couldn't ask your papa for another new dress after his having given you so many this year already that's the way it always is with you mamma you can't do this and you can't do that you're so excessively tiresome but i will have the dress i'm determined he says his sister wears light blue crape of an evening and i'll have light blue crape too see if i don't i'll get it somehow from the shop myself papa never takes any notice i'm sure what i have on and he needn't find out anything about what's gone out of the shop until they take stock or whatever it is he calls it and then if he flies into one of his passions my dear my dear you really ought not to talk so of your papa it's very wrong margaret indeed what would mr basil say if he heard you I determined to go in at once and tell Margaret that I had heard her, resolving at the same time to exert some firmness and remonstrate with her for her own good on much of what she had said, which had really surprised and displeased me. On my unexpected entrance, Mrs. Sherwin started and looked more timid than ever. Margaret, however, came forward to meet me with her wonted smile, and held out her hand with her wonted grace. I said nothing until we had got into our accustomed corner and were talking together in whispers as usual. Then I began my remonstrance, very tenderly and in the lowest possible tones. She took precisely the right way to stop me in full career in spite of all my resolution. Her beautiful eyes filled with tears directly, the first I had ever seen in them, caused, too, by what I had said. 
and she murmured a few plaintive words about the cruelty of being angry with her for only wanting to please me by being dressed as my sister was which upset every intention i had formed but the moment before i involuntarily devoted myself to soothing her for the rest of the morning need i say how the matter ended i never mentioned the subject more and i made her a present of the new dress some weeks after the little home breeze which i have just related had died away into a perfect calm i was accidentally witness of another domestic dilemma in which margaret bore a principal share on this occasion as i walked up to the house in the morning again i found the front door open a pail was on the steps the servant had evidently been washing them had been interrupted in her work and had forgotten to close the door when she left it the nature of the interruption i soon discovered as i entered the hall for god's sake miss cried the housemaid's voice from the dining-room for god's sake put down the poker missus will be here directly and it's her cat i'll kill the vile brute i'll kill the hateful cat i don't care whose it is my poor dear 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 bird the voice was margaret's at first its tones were tones of fury they were afterwards broken by hysterical sobs poor thing continued the servant soothingly i'm sorry for it and for you too miss but oh do please to remember it was you left the cage on the table in the cat's reach hold your tongue you wretch how dare you hold me let me go oh you mustn't you mustn't indeed it's mrs cat recollect poor missus who's always ill and hasn't got nothing else to amuse her i don't care the cat's killed my bird and the cat shall be killed for doing it it shall it shall it shall i'll call in the first boy from the street to catch it and hang it let me go i will go i let the cat go first miss as sure as my name's susan the next instant the door was suddenly opened and a pus sprang past me out of harm's way closely followed by the servant who stared breathless and aghast at seeing me in the hall i went into the dining-room immediately on the floor lay a bird-cage with the poor canary dead inside it was the same canary that i had seen my wife playing with on the evening of the day when i first met her the bird's head had been nearly dragged through the bent wires of the cage by the murderous claws of the cat near the fireplace with the poker she had just dropped on the floor by her side stood margaret never had i seen her look so beautiful as she now appeared in the fury of passion which possessed her her large black eyes were flashing grandly through her tears the blood was glowing crimson in her cheeks her lips were parted as she gasped for breath one of her hands was clenched and rested on the mantelpiece the other was pressed tight over her bosom with the fingers convulsively clasping her dress grieved as i was at the paroxysm of passion into which she had allowed herself to be betrayed i could not repress an involuntary feeling of admiration when my eyes first rested on her even anger itself looked lovely in that lovely face she never moved when she saw me as i approached her she dropped down on her knees by the cage sobbing with frightful violence and pouring forth a perfect torrent of ejaculations of vengeance against the cat mrs sherwin came down and by her total want of tact and presence of mind made matters worse in brief the scene ended by a fit of hysterics to speak to margaret on that day as i wished to speak to her was impossible to approach the subject of the canary's death afterwards was useless if i only hinted in the gentlest way and with the strongest sympathy for the loss of the bird at the distress and astonishment she had caused me by the extremities to which she had allowed her passion to hurry her a burst of tears was sure to be her only reply just the reply of all others which was best calculated to silence me 
if i had been her husband in fact as well as in name if i had been her father her brother or her friend i should have let her first emotions have their way and then have expostulated with her afterwards but i was her lover still and to my eyes margaret's tears made virtues even of margaret's faults such occurrences as these happening but at rare intervals form the only interruptions to the generally even and happy tenure of our intercourse weeks and weeks glided away and not a hasty or a hard word passed between us neither after only preliminary differences had been adjusted did any subsequent disagreement take place between mr sherwin and me this last element in the domestic tranquillity of north villa was however less attributable to his forbearance or to mine than to the private interference of mr mannion for some days after my interview with the managing clerk at his own house i had abstained from calling his offered services into requisition i was not conscious of any reason for his course of conduct all that had been said all that had happened during the night of the storm had produced a powerful though vague impression on me strange as it may appear i could not determine whether my brief but extraordinary experience of my new friend had attracted me towards him or repelled me from him i felt an unwillingness to lay myself under an obligation to him which was not the result of pride or false delicacy or sullenness or suspicion it was an inexplicable unwillingness that sprang from the fear of encountering some heavy responsibility but of what nature i could not imagine i delayed and held back by instinct and on his side mr mannion made no further advances he maintained the same manner and continued the same habits during his intercourse with the family at north villa which i had observed as characterizing him before i took shelter from the storm in his house he never referred again to the conversation of that evening when we now met margaret's behaviour when i mentioned to her mr mannion's willingness to be useful to us both rather increased than diminished the vague uncertainties which perplexed me on the subject of accepting or rejecting his overtures I could not induce her to show the smallest interest about him. Neither his house, his personal appearance, his peculiar habits, or his secrecy in relation to his early life, nothing, in short, connected with him, appeared to excite her attention or curiosity in the slightest degree. On the evening of his return from the continent, she had certainly shown some symptoms of interest in his arrival at North Villa, and some appearance of attention to him when he joined our party. Now she seemed completely and incomprehensibly changed on this point. Her manner became almost petulant if I persisted long in making Mr. Mannion a topic of conversation. It was as if she resented his sharing my thoughts with her in the slightest degree. As to the difficult question whether we should engage him in our interests or not, that was a matter which she always seemed to think too trifling to be discussed between us at all. Ere long, however, circumstances decided me as to the course I should take with Mr. Mannion a ball was given by one of mr sherwin's rich commercial friends to which he announced his intention of taking margaret besides the jealousy which i felt naturally enough in my peculiar situation at the idea of my wife going out as miss sherwin and dancing in the character of a young unmarried lady with any young gentlemen who were introduced to her i had also the strongest possible desire to keep margaret out of the society of her own class until my year's probation was over and i could hope to install her permanently in the society of my class i had privately mentioned to her my ideas on the subject and found that she fully agreed with them she was not wanting in ambition to ascend to the highest degree in the social scale and had already begun to look with indifference on the society which was offered to her by those in her own rank 
to mr sherwin i could confide nothing of this i could only object generally to his taking margaret out when neither she nor i desired it he declared that she liked parties that all girls did that she only pretended to dislike them to please me and that he had made no engagement to keep her moping at home a whole year on my account in the case of the particular ball now under discussion he was determined to have his own way and he bluntly told me as much irritated by his obstinacy and gross want of consideration for my defenceless position i forgot all doubts and scruples and privately applied to mr mannion to exert the influence which he had promised to use if i wished it in my behalf the result was as immediate as it was conclusive the very next evening mr sherwin came to us with a note which he had just written and informed me that it was an excuse for margaret's non-appearance at the ball he never mentioned mr mannion's name but sulkily and shortly said that he had reconsidered the matter and had altered his first decision for reasons of his own having once taken a first step in the new direction i soon followed it up without hesitation by taking many others whenever i wished to call oftener than once a day at north villa i had but to tell mr mannion and the next morning i found the permission immediately accorded to me by the ruling power the same secret machinery enabled me to regulate mr sherwin's incomings and outgoings just as i chose when margaret and i were together in the evening i could feel almost certain now of never having any one with us but mrs sherwin unless i desired it which as may be easily imagined was seldom enough my new ally's ready interference for my advantage was exerted quietly easily and as a matter of course i never knew how or when he influenced his employer and mr sherwin on his part never breathed a word of that influence to me he accorded any extra privilege i might demand as if he acted entirely under his own will little suspecting how well i knew what was the real motive power which directed him i was the more easily reconciled to employing the services of mr mannion by the great delicacy with which he performed them he did not allow me to think he did not appear to think himself that he was obliging me in the smallest degree he affected no sudden intimacy with me his manners never altered he still persisted in not joining us in the evening but at my express invitation and if i referred in any way to the advantages i derived from his devotion to my interests he always replied in his brief undemonstrative way that he considered himself the favoured person in being permitted to make a services of some use to margaret and me i had told mr mannion when i was leaving him on the night of the storm that i would treat his offers as the offers of a friend and i had now made good my words much sooner and much more unreservedly than i had ever intended when we parted at his own house-door chapter four